In the northwest corner of Niagara Falls, there's a small limestone tunnel tucked away in a sleepy neighborhood. You can only get there on foot by an overgrown concrete path perpetually covered in inches of rainwater. Moss and algae creep through the centuries-old brick that lines the tunnel. As you make your way down Warren Road toward the tunnel, you imagine the bustling activity that used to fill the area. What was once a busy road leading to an active town center is now simply a quiet spot in the woods. An eerie silence starts to set in. Gone are the rumbling trains that once traversed overhead, the horse-pulled carts that merchants used to get to market, and the small houses that once clustered near these woods. You step into the tunnel alone. It's colder now, and even quieter. You make your way to the middle of the tunnel. This is the spot that has terrified residents of Niagara Falls for decades. This is the source of an infamous local legend, and you're here to see if it's true. From your pocket, you pull out a wooden match. You hold it between your fingers for a moment. Then take a breath and strike the match. Immediately, the match goes out. You look around. You're still alone. The air completely still around you. You take out another match. It happens again. There's no explanation for it. You try once more. Out again. And then, from the silence, you hear a young girl scream, echoing through the tunnel. The legend you see is true. Welcome to Haunted Places. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, I take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted, real places on Earth. This week, join me on a trip to the Screaming Tunnel in Niagara Falls, Ontario, one of the most frightening spots in Canada, and one of the most gruesome origin stories we've come across. To this day, it's haunted. If you can't get enough haunted places, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us on your favorite podcast directory, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast, and on Twitter at Parcast Network. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. In the northwest corner of Niagara Falls in Ontario, Canada, a limestone tunnel is tucked away beneath the Canadian National Railway line. This small tunnel has terrified local residents for decades and drawn visitors from across North America. Neighbors have whispered about the terrible tragedy that took place in the tunnel nearly 100 years ago, where the life of a young girl came to a fiery end. Legend has it, the ghost of that young girl still lingers in the tunnel, a ghost 
who cannot stand the sight of fire. A ghost who cannot stand the sight of a lit flame on a match. A ghost whose furious cries will fill your ears if you dare violate the place of her death. Cries that earn this haunted location its infamous name, the Screaming Tunnel. But the legend of the Screaming Tunnel pales in comparison to the horrible circumstances of this young girl's death. A death so dark, one story doesn't seem to do it justice. What makes the tale of the Screaming Tunnel truly unique is that it's told in three distinct versions, each one more gruesome, more heartbreaking, and more terrifying than the last. Which version is true? We might never know. All we can do is tell her stories and listen for her screams. Warren Road is a winding country lane that moves through the woods of Niagara Falls, Ontario. In the 1800s, the small hamlet of houses was disrupted by the construction of a railway through their town. In order not to impede the daily movement of farmers and merchants along Warren Road, a tunnel was erected overhead, allowing trains to pass easily. Built in a rainy area of Canada, the tunnel was perpetually filled with three to four inches of water underfoot. Used to the damp and the wet, the residents of Niagara Falls paid this small inconvenience little mind. At the end of Warren Road, in the cluster of houses, lived a young girl named Emma Reed. Like most residents of Niagara Falls in the turn of last century, Emma and her parents were a family of farmers. Emma's life was a pleasant and predictable march of chores, school, and trips to the market with her family. It was a happy childhood, by all accounts. Every other day, Emma would follow alongside a horse-pulled cart, led by her father, stacked high with the fruits of their farm to the town square to sell their wares. Their short journey took them around the corner of Warren Road and through the tunnel, which separated their home from the center of town. To either side, the woods stretched on for miles. It was a path as familiar to the girl as the back of her hand. She'd grown up on the street. It was home. It was comforting. It never crossed her mind that someday a terrible fate would befall her on this very route. A favorite pastime of Emma's was to spend time with the family's two horses in the small barn that sat several yards from their modest home. Each night after dinner, while her parents relaxed from the day's hard labors, she lit a lantern and headed toward the barn. There, the girl sat with the horses, talking to them, telling them about her day the good and the bad. It was a comforting act for an only child with an active imagination. Emma considered the horses her very good friends. Many times, Emma returned to the house to find her parents asleep in their chairs, worn from their day's work. She would quietly put herself to bed, not wanting to disturb her weary parents. Each night, Emma slipped beneath her covers with a smile 
and closed her eyes, eager to greet the next day. This innocent childhood routine continued for much of Emma's short life. Until one ill-fated evening, when everything went wrong. It was a night like any other. Emma's parents retired to their leisure activities after a modest meal of vegetable soup and bread. Emma finished her nighttime chore of washing up the evening's dishes and then lit her small lantern and headed out to the barn. That night was much windier than normal. The gusts of wind kicked up the skirt of Emma's handmade cotton dress, but she paid it no mind. Niagara Falls had been experiencing an especially rainy week. Emma's shoes were still caked with mud from the wet walk to the market earlier that morning. As they made their way to town, their family wagon, led by the horses, had gotten lodged in a deep puddle of water in the middle of the nearby tunnel, sending Emma's father into a fit of curses. Emma was distressed at the sight of her dear horses getting yelled at by her father. Emma was eager to check on the horses to make sure their feelings weren't hurt. Emma walked to the barn, heaving open the heavy wood door, keeping it ajar behind her. Emma walked over to her favorite horse's stall, opened the gate, and settled herself onto a bale of hay she had stacked in the corner, her seat of choice for these nightly visits. The girl placed the lantern down beside her, at the base of the bale of hay, and started to chat animatedly to her large friend. Emma noticed the horse seemed slightly out of sorts. Perhaps he was still unsettled by the trials of the day, or the chill brought on by the rainstorm earlier that day. The girl set about trying to soothe the beast with her stories, chattering on, even singing to him. The horse inched his way closer to the girl as she spoke, indeed calmed by the sound of her voice. But then suddenly, a massive gust of wind roared through the barn, spooking the horse. Before Emma could react, the horse reared up on his hind legs. Startled, Emma fell from her bale of hay, knocking over the lantern at her feet. Emma stared in horror as the lantern shattered, the flaming oil spilling onto the hay covering the barn floor, igniting the very spot she was sitting in. Lightning quick, the flames shot up all around her. The horse started to scream in terror as the stall lit up around them. Emma was desperate to open the stall door, to let the horses run from the fire that spread like lightning around them. But as she finally reached the door, a rogue flame caught up to the hem of her cotton dress. Emma looked down, stricken in horror, as her skirt was eaten away by the fire. She desperately tried to pat the flames down, burning her small hands in the process. But it was of no use. The fire enveloped her, catching her clothes, her hair. There was nothing she could do. Overcome with fear, the girl screamed and raced out of the barn, thinking only of getting away from the fire. But the flames held tight to the girl's dress. She was burning. 
Her parents must have already fallen into a deep sleep. No one came to help at the sound of Emma's agonized cries. Her mind went blank, and her instincts took over. One thought took hold of her entire being. Water, and specifically, the puddle from earlier that day. Emma raced toward the tunnel, desperate to get to that pool of water the horse carriage had gotten stuck in only a few hours before. If Emma could reach the tunnel, get to the puddle, she might be able to put out the flames that were now burning through her skin. Emma ran and ran. Finally, she made it to the mouth of the tunnel. Safety was only steps away. Emma put one painful footstep in front of the other, her body shutting down as the flames enveloped her. She was so close to saving her own life. But Emma didn't make it. Only several feet into the tunnel, Emma finally collapsed, the flames consuming her small body. With one final scream, Emma perished, alone, with the pool of water just out of reach. The girl's stricken parents discovered her remains the next day. They gathered up what was left of her body, not realizing that the girl's tormented soul would remain behind forever. It's possible that this is how the screaming girl found her eternal unrest in the tunnel off Warren Road. But there are two other stories that the residents of Niagara Falls tell to explain the presence of the perpetually young ghost. Stories that are indeed so terrible, it's no wonder why many prefer this tale of accidental demise. In this next origin tale of the Screaming Tunnel, we see the young girl through a different lens, one in which her daily life was anything but predictable and anything but pleasant. We'll return to our story in just a moment from the Parcast Network. Now, our story continues. In this next chapter of our story, listener discretion is strongly advised. This section includes dramatizations and discussions of domestic violence and assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. As much as we like to imagine the pastoral lives of farmers in the late 1800s as nice and delightful, the truth is that their lives were anything but idyllic. The work could be hard, the conditions brutal, their lives meager and filled with struggle. It's very likely that that was the case for our young girl and her parents. As the railroads continued to revolutionize cities across America, many farmers struggled to keep up with the changing times. Farmers like Emma Reed's father. Many sought solace through whatever comfort they could find. For Emma's father, solace came in the form of alcohol. In this darker portrait of this young girl's life, her father was lost to the bottle. 
For years, Emma and her mother lived in terror. Their days an endless cycle of brutal fights, hypervigilance, and having to hide for their own safety. Emma's father was a violent man, and the alcohol made his behavior much, much worse. In the small town they resided in, gossip about Emma's parents was on their neighbors' tongues nearly every day. Everyone knew what the poor girl and her beleaguered mother suffered through regularly. There was no one she could turn to for comfort. Emma's only place of refuge was the tunnel near their home, just off Warren Road. There, Emma would tuck herself against the cool limestone wall, watching the trees that stood outside the mouth of the tunnel sway in the breeze. In the tunnel, she found solace, peace, and being alone, especially because the fights between her parents were escalating and her father's drinking intensifying. There was a darkness in her father, Emma knew. As the days crept by, whatever bit of goodness the man had in him slowly disappeared. He grew harder, angrier, meaner. Emma became terrified of him. Finally, her worst fears were realized when her father grew even more violent. His fits of rage became uncontrollable. He was a man possessed, and there was nothing Emma or her mother could do to stop his violent attacks. Emma's mother worried for their lives. The girl started spending hours and hours every day hiding in her tunnel. Finally, the girl's mother had enough. The man she'd married had become unrecognizable, as if a monster had taken his place. There was nothing good left in Emma's father, nothing light, nothing redeemable. Only meanness, only the drink only darkness. Emma's mother decided to leave. Tired of the fights, the endless gossip of her friends and neighbors, and the relentless fear they lived with, Emma and her mother decided they would run far, far away for good. Emma was all for the plan. They would make it on their own somehow, some way somewhere far away from the monster her father had become. Emma had become certain that the man she once knew was gone forever. That the thing living in her house wasn't her father at all. That something sinister had taken his place. Something purely evil. Something that wouldn't stop until she and her mother were destroyed. Quietly, secretly, Emma and her mother hid away as much as they could carry, food, clothing, stowing it away in a cabinet in the kitchen, where they were sure the man would never look until they were ready to run. Then the night finally came when they planned to make their escape. In an attempt to ease her husband into a deep sleep, Emma's mother served as heavy a meal as she could offer with their meager resources. She continued to fill her husband's glass as the meal wore on, hoping the alcohol would lull him into unconsciousness quickly. 
As the meal wore on, Emma's mother accepted her husband's berating over the food, her clothes, and their child's behavior as calmly as she could, knowing this would be the last night she'd have to endure such terrible insults. Emma kept as far from her father as possible, hoping to avoid any physical recourse. Finally, the man went quiet. Carefully, Emma's mother checked to make sure her husband was asleep, then gestured to her daughter. It was time. Quickly, silently, they gathered what they were able to stow away. A bit of food, some clothes, and a warm coat for each of them. Bundled up, they tiptoed their way to the door. But then, Emma froze in terror. She stepped on a loose floorboard. Horrified, her mother turned toward her husband's chair. He was awake and staring at them. The man flew into an unbridled rage, lost to fury, unhinged at their betrayal. He flew at Emma's mother as she screamed for her daughter to run. Emma raced out of the house as her father started to tear the place apart. The girl turned back to the house at the sound of a loud crash. She watched in horror as flames burst through the windows of the house. Emma's father had lit the house on fire, determined to never let his wife leave alive. Emma watched through a broken window as her father hit her mother across the face, knocking her out. Then, her father calmly picked up a lantern, the flames licking the room around him and moved toward the door. Emma watched, terrified, as the front door opened and the dark figure of her father stepped over the threshold. Emma turned and ran, and her father started to follow. Emma ran for her life to the only place she could think of, the tunnel. The place that had kept her safe, she thought, countless other times. She raced into the tunnel and crouched in the darkness in her secret corner, hoping to disappear. But her father found her. As her evil father's footsteps approached, Emma moved deeper into the tunnel, deeper into the darkness. All she could hear was the sound of her heart beating in her chest. She willed it to be quiet, burying her head in her knees. Then, suddenly, she felt a cold liquid running down her head. She looked up. There was her father, his eyes pools of black, his humanity lost to his utter rage. The girl sat, frozen, as her father continued to pour the bottle of alcohol around her. He took two steps back, staring at her, and said, You'll never escape me. With that, her father reached into his pocket, pulled out a wooden match, struck it against the limestone wall, the wall that was once Emma's sanctuary, and dropped it. The last thing Emma saw was her father walking away as the flames raced toward her. 
There, in the middle of the tunnel that was once her refuge, Emma Reed met her fiery demise. Our story will continue in a moment, right after the break. And now, back to haunted places. Because the third version of our story is perhaps the darkest of them all, we strongly caution against young listeners hearing this part of our story. This chapter includes troubling descriptions of violence and assault. In this tale, the screaming tunnel sits between Emma Reed's house and a small but bustling town at the end of Warren Road. In the late 1800s, the town was populated with quaint local businesses. A dress shop, a bookseller, a hardware store, a general store, and a butcher. Here, our young heroine lived a happy childhood. Her idyllic days were spent in a quaint schoolhouse, playing in flower-covered fields with her friends and shopping with her mother at their favorite stores in the small town. Emma loved to go to town. She wondered at every new item that crossed the familiar shelves on the markets. She was thrilled every time she convinced her mother to buy her a penny candy at the general store. But there was one place she hated to go. The butcher shop. Something about that place frightened her. She didn't like the smell. The ranks of raw meat hanging from the ceiling. The sound of the brown paper being ripped away from its roll. The heavy thud of the slabs of meat as they hit the counter. But most of all, Emma didn't like the way the butcher looked at her. Emma's mother told her she was being silly. That the butcher was perfectly nice and was just trying to be friendly. Emma's mother scolded the girl for not smiling at the man. For not reciprocating his, how do you do young ladies? But Emma always felt like the butcher was staring at her, that he was watching her from the moment she walked into the store to the moment she walked out. Emma did her best to avoid going into town whenever it was butcher day. Then one day, upon Emma's arrival from school, her mother asked her to go to town alone to pick up meat from the butcher. Emma protested as hard as she could but her mother was steadfast. She was old enough now to take on more responsibility, and the short walk from their home to town shouldn't prove too difficult for her. After all, all they needed was a chicken for that night's dinner. Emma couldn't defy her mother. Despite the pit in her stomach, she left the house and started her walk toward town. Only a couple of minutes into her trip, the clouds overhead started to darken, a rainstorm rolling in. Not at all uncommon in Niagara Falls, Emma paid the storm little mind, though she did enjoy the brief respite from the rain as she passed underneath the tunnel that led to the town center. In town, Emma cautiously made her way into the butcher shop, hoping that perhaps the man that made her so uneasy might be out that day. To her dismay, the butcher was the first person she saw as she stepped through the door. Emma approached the counter warily, holding out the bit of money her mother had given her to pay. Meekly, 
she asked the butcher for a chicken. Smiling at her, the man took his time preparing Emma's order. He slowly took out his heavy meat cleaver. The girl looked down at her feet so she wouldn't have to watch the butcher cut into the chicken carcass. She held her breath at the sound of the bones crunching under his knife. She stared at her hands as he started to pile the cuts of meat onto the counter. After what seemed like an eternity to Emma, the butcher finally started to wrap her order. When she dared look up, she saw that his eyes were still fixed firmly on her. Finally, the butcher handed over the meat. Emma threw her money on the counter and hurried out as fast as she could. Outside, Emma could finally breathe a sigh of relief. But just as she gathered her bearings, the rainfall outside escalated to a full storm. The streets quickly started to empty as the townspeople raced to take refuge inside. Emma tucked her head and hurried along as quickly as she could. But soon, she started to get the terrible feeling that someone was following her. Too scared to turn and look behind her, Emma quickened her pace. Home wasn't far. She just had to reach the tunnel, and then she'd be safe. Emma made it to the mouth of the tunnel. Only then did she feel brave enough to look back. She was alone. No one seemed to be chasing her. She turned to enter the tunnel, but then two arms grabbed Emma tight. She looked in horror. The butcher was standing over her, smiling. Emma screamed as the butcher pushed her to the ground, but the rainfall covered the sound of her cries as they echoed through the tunnel. We don't know whether Emma survived the butcher's initial attack. We only know what happened next. From his pocket, the butcher withdrew a box of wooden matches, took one in his hand, and with one strike, the butcher made sure no one would find the evidence of this horrible crime. He burned the poor girl there in the tunnel, only steps away from her home, hiding his terrible axe forever. So which story do you think is true? What befell our pitiable young heroine? Which story was most likely to end with a spirit in such tumultuous unrest that would haunt the tunnel for eternity? A spirit that so hates the sight of a flame at the top of a wooden match that if you strike one on the spot where her body was burned, she will blow out the flame immediately. And the tunnel will fill with the sound of her screams. We may never know what really happened. All we do know is that the cries of that young girl will endure in the screaming tunnel forever. Thanks for listening to Haunted Places. Don't forget to subscribe to Haunted Places on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, 
Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review or tell us what you think on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram as at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. A new episode comes out every Thursday. We'll see you next week. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler. It is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It's produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Ron Shapiro. With production assistance by Joel Stein and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Haunted Places is written by J.C. Heldrich. I'm Greg Polson.